Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We're very glad you could join us today. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America, and we warmly welcome you all. We will start today with our morning prayer. I have an excerpt from Retrospection and Introspection, page 21 and page 227 in Divinity Course in General Collectania. It is well to know, dear reader, that our material mortal history is but the record of dreams, not of man's real existence, and the dream has no place in this science of being. You all heal. You all have demonstrations. Now, with regard to long ones, have patience. Keep on and on, living the truth and declaring it. Never give up. Be patient, and patience will have its perfect work. Be vigilant. Be wise. Store your mind with deep treasures. Learn to talk just the inspiration of truth. Spiritualize your whole being. Let this be the outcome of your growth. Mary Baker Eddy. Wow, that was wonderful. Thank you very much. All right, Linda, the watching point. Watch number 108. Watch lest you believe that unless you go through certain scientific arguments or study the lesson every morning, some accident or dreadful catastrophe might happen. Such a mistaken attitude shows an ignorance of the purpose of mental work. One does not fill his automobile with oil every morning, but he does watch the gauge and replenish the oil when it is necessary to do so. Is divine power like an automobile which will run into something if, we, if we're off guard for a moment? The student should constantly strive to keep his thought balanced or adjusted on the spiritual side. Then that which emanates from his thought will be constructive and healing. If he finds that he has temporarily lost his balance on the right side, he must make a sincere effort to regain it. Our leader forbids the use of formulas. When one uses a formula in his healing, it means that he has more faith in the letter than in the spirit. Part of our training and growth is to learn how to formulate through divine guidance our own scientific tools or statements to fit each problem and then to put back of these declarations the expectancy and inspiration that makes them efficacious. Those who use formulas not only lose the growth that comes of building their own tools, but they erroneously believe that it is the statements which they use that do the healing. In this way, they neglect and overlook the need of the spirit. A correct understanding of Christian science rules 
without faith or belief in the efficacy of the letter without the spirit. Such were vain repetition, such as the heathen use. End quote. Thank you. Comments on that? Well, certainly I've learned since being here that learned to keep an eye on how I am feeling and doing to make sure that I'm not losing my joy or or just getting into a routine with things. And I love how much emphasis is put on here to to use our spiritual sense and to look for inspiration and in everything because it it is there all the time. And it's it's really quite wonderful when you you know grab hold of it and and are able to use it. So. That's wonderful. That's a perfect answer. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it, it's it's old theology. It's superstition. You know, you got you just like saying your rosary. Not about saying your rosary. It's about yes, feeling that inspiration. That's what you have to watch. If that's growing low, then you take time to replenish. That doesn't mean that you don't daily work and pray, read. Someone has their computer on because there's an echo. Um, but you. You just make sure it's not this superstitious, well, I do this, 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 this. It must always be inspired. And God gives us fresh new things every day, doesn't he? Anybody else? I have found that in following this, I'm not doing a formula. Uh, and I, the, the, you know, as you said, that word inspiration, Beautiful things come in your prayers. Yes. It's really nice. It is. Fresh inspiration, new every morning. Um, Jeremy helped me out one time when I was doing a Bible study, too, by telling me that, you know, instead of looking through the books and reading and trying to find the answers that way, to just sit and let the inspiration come. That was the last Bible study that I did when I was down there with Jeremy. It was very helpful to just sit and let the let the inspiration come. And the answers are there. It's just that you're, you're just kind of thinking about other things instead of opening up your mind and letting the answers come. Thank you. Yes. I can't help it. And also, and also knowing that the inspiration that God gives you today is enough. That's your, that's my daily bread. And I don't have to be asking for more. I have to learn to work with what he's given me today um, and bring that into my consciousness. Thank you. That's very important. Give us today our daily bread. Because some people, I mean, even in calling a practitioner, they're saying, well, what, you know, give me more. What more do you have to give me? What thought do you have? They don't even mention the thought they had yesterday or how they used that thought. Um, and even calling a practitioner, if you do it like going to a doctor's office, just, well, you know, this is going to keep, this is my, it's superstitious too. I'll just call and then everything will be great. And you're not doing the work you need to be doing yourself. Mrs. Evans always called it a duet. 
both both people, the practitioner and the patient, must be working. Lawrence? No, the truth can become just like a pill, right? I mean, I call a practitioner, she gives me a truth, and I use it, which is quite different from... You know, what I just read said, learn to talk just the inspiration of truth. From your learning, from our learning, our study of the Bible and Christian science material, we gain some truths that become part of our thinking. And and those are there and they come as, you know, the challenges come as well. So it's not so much, oh, I'm going to call for a certain truth and then, you know, use it as such. Otherwise, it becomes really just like uh, medication. Thank you. Absolutely. Lil, did you? Yeah, it just reminds me, you have to be flexible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be flexible. Be, be able to bend, she says. Like the... Gary? Well, and it is in the completing the tasks that God gives you today that prepares you for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It is doing what God has for you to do, to do today, fulfilling the inspiration that He gives you today, that prepares you for tomorrow. And it's not like you have to go out and look for, you know, for the next source of inspiration. It comes to you when you're ready, when you need it. Yes, that was a, a calendar statement from first edition this week about what truth comes when you when need it, something. not when you want it, not when you want it, but yeah, it comes as you need it. So, um, all right, and it really does, and it really does, <laughs> as it, Jeremy can attest so well. Yes, and sometimes. <laughs> Comes, you just open a book and there's a message that you needed to see. Go ahead, Lawrence. No, it just says it's on the fourth. It says truth comes when it is needed, not because of a personal demand. Thank you. That's the mm-hmm. quote. Oh, thank you. And I'm, I'm sure that's the first edition of Science and Health. Thank you. We're going to start having that in the Liberator quotes from the first edition. They're very powerful and simple. We used to do that, and that was healing thoughts. All right, we have a beautiful subject this week of spirit. And, um, Lil, you can read the golden text. Out of heaven he made thee to hear his voice, that he might instruct thee. I, I love that. You know, you were made to hear his voice. So when you say you can hear his voice, Well, yes, you can. You just haven't worked at it. You were made. That's how he created you. Why would he create you? And then making you unable to hear his voice? That doesn't make sense. And that also that he can instruct you. He wants you to be listening so he can tell you what it is you need to do and to know. And this is what Mrs. Eddy calls the divinity course. You know, a a person can teach you only so much. A teacher can teach you only so much. But the ultimate is for you to get your instruction directly from God. And that is, that's 
should be everyone's objective. And he's an ever-ready teacher, right? Well, exactly, and and he wouldn't he wouldn't instruct us in that regard if it wasn't possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I love it in in the chapter on prayer when Mrs. Eddy says, you know, we have ready access to that throne of prayer with spirit, audience with spirit she puts it day or night you have it it's always available always make use of it and um louise on the forum she put that little video of a a shepherd one who takes care of the sheep talking about how the the sheep they only hear they only respond to their shepherd's voice i think parthens did that once too it was a, an example of you know when the shepherd called his sheep they all came running nobody else could get the sheep they'd just not mm -hmm. listen not listening mm -hmm. <laughs> that was a beautiful illustration so we must be the same way and, and uh, didn't christ jesus say that i believe it's in john that the you know my sheep hear my voice yes mm -hmm. so and everyone has access to it. This isn't just for a certain few. Everybody does this. Everybody can do this. No one is exempt from this. He made you to hear his voice. We all have that privilege. It's just a matter of cultivating it. And that, along with the uh, watching point, reminded me of Martha Wilcox's quote I really loved. Prepared thought is a doorway through which revelation comes. So doing your work every day and being ready for it is what allows you to be ready for it. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, Carrie sent me some really good things this weekend. One, it was, it was this from an old journal, 1890 issue, letters from a General Gordon who was a British Army officer. But he writes about the Bible. The Bible by his revelation, is most absorbing. It seems so clear when he teaches, meaning God, the flesh cannot receive the things of the spirit. The spiritual soul never argues. It is only the carnal mind that does. God speaks in us. If we live much in the flesh, we shall not hear his voice, unless by trials and afflictions. But if we live in the spirit, we shall, according to the degree we do so, hear his voice, minutely and always peace is the fruit of the spirit and obtained only by the indwelling of the spirit meditate much in the fruit of the spirit and with god's blessings you will have you will be done with the dark times so you know in the in the bible later at the end it talks about um the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Some people just, they don't seem to get it, and that's why. They're in the human mind, and they don't get it. And then they get mad and want to argue with people that are getting it. And anyway, it's not worth the argument. No one wins an argument. So all you can do is be at peace and pray. And, that, and then it's in... In Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is a result of being in the Spirit. It's not something you seek after. You have to be in the Spirit. And it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. 
against such there is no law so when you become divinely inspired by God when you are listening to his voice that's the fruit you will receive it'll it'll just be there because that's the fruit of the spirit it also tells you what you <laughs> before that what happens if you know you're in the wrong mind that's no fun that's the I, adam dream I, this may help i felt that uh, questions are probably the most powerful things that we have when we see that um, when we ask god you know what do we need to do not tell him so much about what we are doing but you know what do we need to do what do we need to change uh, what would you want of me all those things are they are prayers and and things were not working as quickly for me, they were like a, a doorway to start maybe changing my behavior and thoughts. And Thank stuff. you. That's beautiful, Craig. But some prideful people did just say, you know, why me, why me, why me, why me? <laughs> oh, right, well, that's right. the point. I mean, because it's the questioning that is the humility. And it's the humility that is absolutely required in order to get the right answer. <clears throat> exactly. Now, cleanse thou me of secret faults. And we're going to get into that, those beautiful prayers at the beginning of the lesson. But right now, we will do the responsive reading. Carol. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. I will honor him. Thank you. And that last, that's God speaking to those who have set their love upon him. He'll do all those things for those who love him. We must never doubt that. This is our shield. This is our vaccination, if you will, right now through these times. The 91st Psalm um, is powerful. And our, our liberator, the theme for September I believe it'll be neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling or only good is contagious or a combination thereof. <laughs> but anyway, just dwell in that secret place of the most high. It's the most powerful antidote to any problem there could be. And again, um, Carrie sent me this beautiful article, which we will put in the next liberator. Um, it was when Mrs. Eddy spoke at the Concord church in new hampshire kind of her church we believe it was around in 1898 and um she it's on the 91st psalm she i can you imagine how wonderful that must have mm -hmm. been she she read the psalm unfortunately I, I read somewhere that no one had recorded exactly what she said but this is what was from the boston globe and the boston herald it said a mrs h K. Harrison, soloist of the Bo of Boston Church, sang "Saw Me, My Savior," a church communion hymn, also written by Mrs. Eddy, 
Mrs. Harrison lost her voice for some months and is said to have been recently restored to health by Christian science. This is the first time she has sung in a public place since her recovery. Mrs. Eddy then stepped to the desk and she read Psalm 91, which she characterized as containing <clears throat> more meaning than is considered into many words anywhere else in all literature, save in the Lord's Prayer. She made this psalm her text and taking it passage by passage, explained its meaning with an eloquence that held her congregation, her congregation's profound attention for 45 minutes. She spoke extemporaneously and she explained the doctrines of her faith with striking simplicity and richness of illustration. So, and many times she has said the importance of our knowing that 91st Psalm. It's wonderful. So, use it, think about it, say it to yourself. I've told people to memorize it. Very important. Complete treatment. Now in the Bible, this is the prayer. This is kind of what Craig was talking about, you know, asking God for his guidance and help. It's a beautiful, that's Psalm 143. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. And that word cause means to bring into existence. So you think you can't hear God in the morning, perhaps. Well, we'll say this to yourself. Ask God. He will bring it in. He will bring himself into existence. Or if there's any question in your mind as to whether God loves you. Thank you. Because of yeah. some circumstance you think to be real. It's yeah. an unchanging love, really. Yeah. Love. And, you know, I was thinking recently of that beautiful story about footsteps in the sand where someone was looking at a footsteps walking by the ocean and it was just one set of footsteps. And the person said, well, to God or to the Christ, and, you know, where were you? I was going through such a terrible time. Where were you then? And what was the answer? That is when I carried you. So remember, when you think you're going through such a terrible time and you're all alone, it's when you're being carried. And that's what this is saying, to hear the loving kindness of the Lord. Arrow would like you to think otherwise. That's why you have to have your feet planted firmly in this truth and not listen to that erroneous voice. And then, teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God, thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Again, praying for God's guidance and help in humility, as Gary was saying. And then, quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. Is your soul in trouble? That word quicken means make alive, resuscitate. To make alive in a spiritual sense. To communicate a principle of grace. 
to hasten, to give keener perception. It's a beautiful word. I didn't know it meant all those things. But that's what we're praying for. Because sometimes maybe you do feel kind of dead, half alive. Well, God, God will quicken you. All these things he will do. He will give you this keen perception and teach you the principles of his grace. And the thing is, only God can quicken you. Nothing else can. That's why, really, if you want, if you, if you want to learn to love, you have to start by feeling God's love for you. Because God's love for you is the only true love there is. You can't start with you trying to love somebody else. That won't work. <laughs> Where is it? Who's in John or somebody says, we, we love because he loved us. Because mm -hmm. he first loved us. Yeah. Because he first loved us. So, so start start each day by feeling God's love for you. And if, if you're not, sometimes it's good to start out with gratitude. Hmm. That's an instant connection. And it has to come where you get where you're deeply, deeply welling within you. There's always something to be grateful for. We're always looking at, or we can, the human mind is always looking for a hole in the donut. But get grateful and see what God has done in your life or what he's done in past times. Hitherto the Lord hath helped me. Hitherto he will. You'll, you'll feel it when you work on it. And if you don't feel it, what do they say? Don't leave home without it. <laughs> it's like it is, that's the example of going off without oil on your car. Make sure you spend that time with the Father. And that's the only reason we do spend that time with the Father, so we can feel that love and joy and express it to others. So another, another the definition of quicken was to um, give keener perception to. So I'm going to go back to the John Morgan article um, on true vision, notes on true vision, and this time the synonym of spirit. Spirit is the only true conception of being, quite separate from the human concept, and always correcting it. Correcting the view is a function of spirit, and so spiritual clear-sightedness is natural to me, distinguishing all things as they really are. Through spirit, I see all things rightly, clearly, correctly, distinctly, spiritually. This gives me discernment, so that I differentiate between one idea and another, also between true and false. The firmament of spirit gives me perception, perceptiveness, perspicacity. It opens the eyes of my understanding. It shows me what is real and what is unreal. The clear sight of spirit does not blind me to faults and errors. 
rather, I detect them more clearly, but as unrealities. I discern only the good and the true to be real, and so my eye is single. I positively look for the real, the good, and the true. In spirit, good vision is natural, and it is irreversible. Because spirit is forever unfolding reality, my vision is daily increasingly clearer. I am glad to see old concepts and false opinions disappear. Spirit brings me new views, the true new idea, and so brings to birth in my vision the new man. It is spirit that does the seeing, not flesh, and the senses of spirit are indestructible and perfect. My outlook is always positive, never negative, because my vision is spiritual. So beautiful what he writes. And as I said, it's how we see things, as we're going to find out with Hagar, so important. And, uh, you know, I, I love and I've been working with in Psalm 27, and I gave it in a testimony a few weeks ago. But one thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. And and to inquire in his temple. Yes, thank you, which is what we are doing. I got stuck on the beauty of the Lord because this is the this is what this is about, beholding, seeing what's actually happening, what's actually going on. I mean, it looks like horrible things are going on. We have to get beyond that and see. It's overturning, the overturning. I will overturn, 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 till all come and kneel before the Lord. And I, I don't know, sometimes I just think, well, let all these things and everybody duke it all out. <laughs> just duke it out. It, the only answer is in truth. All of this different political opinions and all this kind of thing, I don't know, you just let them duke it out because it's a metaphysics. Just as Jesus, he rendered to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. He did the he did the metaphysical work, the healing work, even though he lived in such a tumult, tumultuous time. I've sometimes felt recently, you know, we're like the children of Israel in, in Babylon with all this stuff going on. So that's okay. We keep our keep our counsel with the Father. Well, God put us here for for a good reason. A good reason. Not to succumb to it. Not to succumb. And I love that last sentence. My outlook is always positive, never negative, because my vision is spiritual. Thank you. That's <laughs> but it. If it, gets, if it gets negative, then you know where you're going. We're on the wrong mind, yeah. so we see the truth of what's going on. Behold the beauty of the Lord. Lawrence, did you want to say something? No, I guess it, it, that's what he's saying, uh, to forget the mortal sense of things and to, you know, as much as we can, just keep knowing the true sense of being. <clears throat> Gradually we'll, we'll feel it, know yeah. it. And that this will do more for our eyesight than anything else could. We just keep applying these truths to ourselves, we will truly see more clearly. Like, it had to behold, now we have yes. all this 
broadcasting, show forth the beauty of the Lord after we behold it. Thank you. Because, you know, the, those that are in darkness, light shall shine upon them. That's it. And that's all it is. It's just a darkness wherever it might seem to be. And the light shines, the darkness goes. Where did it come from? It's just an absence of light. Where does it go? It just vanishes. Mm-hmm. No way. <laughs> so, so, again, Carrie sent me some beautiful articles about Hagar. Um, one, there's just a small uh, little history of Ishmael. It says, like Jacob, Ishmael has 12 sons. Hagar is the ancestor of these 12 tribes of Ishmael. She may also be the ancestor of the Hagrites, which were tent dwellers. says, um, the Quran, like some Jewish, I don't know, Midrash, I'm not sure what that is, remembers Hagar as a princess. In more modern times, Hagar is often admired as a symbol of downtrodden women who persevere. Uh-huh. So she sent me this beautiful article um, called... Let's see, it's by a Gilbert Robertson from February 1899 Christian Science Journal, and it is called True Sight. Here again, True Sight, what we see. And I'm going to read excerpts from it, and also it's what Florence wrote about on the forum. It talks about um, Hagar and what was happening uh, when she saw, you know, she saw the water come, right? Uh, and she needed it. God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and was saved. And it says, as the Bible gives this account, there is no miracle performed or even indicated. God did not cause a new well of water to gush forth, where before all was barren. That might have been considered miraculous. He simply opened Hagar's eyes and she saw something which had presumably been there all the time in which only her lack of perception had prevented her seeing in the first place. Had her spiritual perception been keener, all suffering would have been spared her. The Bible is full of these lessons. Daniel's experience in the den of lions being another case in point. Had Daniel's eyes been opened no wider to the truth than were the eyes of those about him, He could not have emerged untouched from this trial of his faith and understanding. For we read that when his accusers were in their turn cast into the den, the lions had mastery of them and break their bones. But you see, it was his vision. He saw only good. It said, the reason for this is plain. They saw evil as real. They had expressed it toward Daniel in envy and jealousy. And so when their own hour of trial came, they could not see that good was the real or bring it to pass. Daniel, on the contrary, was so absolutely sure that good was in in reality all there was in spite of the evidence before his material eyes that only good could be made manifest. For we are told in that simple, simple and matter-of-fact way which is one of the greatest charms of the Bible narrative, that he was not hurt because he believed in God. That evidently being in the mind of the narrator sufficient explanation for one of the most wonderful and from the old standpoint 
unexplainable things in the whole Bible. You see, he did not indulge in the hate and the jealousy. That's why we must not either, because then we make a reality of it. And then in the hour of trial, whoops. And he didn't argue with it and get down in the mud and wrestle with it. He did not. And he didn't say, why, why, why? No. Yeah. (laughs) Why me? Why me? me? And why are they doing this? And um, said Daniel, Mrs. Eddy says, Daniel felt safe in the lion's den because of the love. He knew the love encompassed everyone. And it wasn't just him. It encompassed the king. It encompassed those who conspired against him. And the lions. And the lions. It's a mighty power, isn't it? It's a really? power. And this is what we must wield and use. And this is why we have to stay in that secret place of the Most High. What's going on right now? We, we can't have this, I call it a cavalier attitude about, oh, you know, I'm a Christian scientist, everything's great, woo-hoo. No, this takes deep understanding and demonstrating of this truth. Um, there's something... Uh, article someone sent us about the state of Christian Science Organization, and it was in, in memory of Mrs. Eddy's 200 year birthday. But anyway, it was an interesting article in many ways. But one thing he quotes her as saying this, Mrs. Eddy, as the pioneer of Christian Science, I stood alone in this conflict endeavoring to smite error with the falchion of truth. And a falchion is a broad, slightly curved sword. It was used in close combat and would cut off the heads and limbs of people with one stroke. Okay? We're not playing around here. <laughs> okay. She would smite error with the falchion of truth. The rare bequests of Christian science are costly. Ceaseless toil, self-renunciation, and love. The motive of my earliest labors has never changed. It was to relieve the sufferings of humanity. No one else can drain the cup which I have drunk to the dregs as the discoverer and teacher of Christian science. Neither can its inspiration be gained without tasting this cup. This is the crux of the whole thing. If you're not willing to do this and taste of this cup and truly give up the earth weights, well, you can't demonstrate. I mean, as you could if you would do this. This is what Daniel did. The beautiful story of him, you know, he prayed three times a day. And even when he knew what was going to happen to him, he didn't care. He let them all watch him, all his conspirators. Yep, I'm still praying. I'm not I'm not giving up on my God. Windows are open. Windows are open. Mm-hmm. Yep, you can see. And then it goes on where it says, Christian science does not, does not teach us that God gives us health and harmony and all good things after we come into the understanding of truth, but that he gave them to us in the beginning and they have always been ours. They were never far away. 
They have always been close at hand, within easy reach. Only our eyes were holden and did not see them. The understanding of truth, which comes as the result of studying science and health and the other writings of our beloved leader, opens our eyes, and we see, see not a new world, but the real world, which has been since the beginning. Mortals have been reading the Bible with closed eyes, and not until we were given its key were we able to read it aright. Health and harmony are not something new, which God is giving to this particular age in a seemingly miraculous manner, but are as old as creation itself and coexistence with, with God, coexistent with God. Christian science does not create good things. It simply opens our eyes to perceive them and to know that they are ours and have always been so. And then, and this is, see, this is what happened to Hagar. It seemed like she was deserted and it was just a terrible thing going on. Um, but her eyes were opened and she saw the water there that was always there. It wasn't some miraculous thing. It had been there. God loved her. And that beautiful statement, this was another article that um, Carrie sent called, Thou God Seest Me. So remember, in your darkest moments, when you think he's not seeing you, he is seeing you. He is with you. He is carrying you. Don't think he's deserted you. That's just what Era wants you to think. Don't listen to that voice. That's when he is carrying you. Thou God seest me. So then, this other article. Jesus' commandments, which he said embodied all the law and the prophets, cannot be obeyed under the present conditions of society because the majority of people could only see starvation before them and their families if they undertook to follow them. That, however, is so only because they do not see a right. For if they would only obey them, these conditions, which now seem so real and so hard, would all disappear as a necessary result of that obedience. And where before all seem barren and desolate, their eyes would be opened, and they, and they would find beauty and plenty, as did Hagar. Obedience before understanding. All of this mm. carrying on, all of this complaining, all of this lack, <laughs> if they would obey Ten Commandments, a Sermon on the Mount, that's why it's over and over and over. All of this would go. We've all proved it to a smaller or greater extent in our own lives. You know that. This is, this is what will usher in the millennium. This is what is so important, our obedience to God. This is why we must love him as Daniel did. And that sweet story, you know, Mrs. Eddy, she read that story about Daniel. And so she would go into, what, her barn or something and pray. She'd mark it on a, oh, yeah. on seven, a little, times a day. seven times a day. And look what she did. 
despite tremendous odds. And she was without, remember, she was going from house to house, people ridiculing her and hating her and all of that. Interesting that that Felchian, the close quarter combat sword you mentioned, because of how much she had to deal with from people close to her. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So she overcame all odds. There is nothing that you cannot overcome with God. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. What matters is what your obedience is. And that is why she loved the 91st Psalm so much. Because she knew the truth. Because she made her habitation in the one God. And she didn't budge. She refused to inhabit anywhere else. And what she saw going on around her, I, I can only imagine. I couldn't imagine. And yet God took care of her in every way. And Florence, you wrote about this on the forum. Do you want to add anything? Oh, really, I, I was just <clears throat> saying what she said, uh, that uh, God was taking care of the lad, and also, of course, there was water, and so it's just uh, an awakening so, to uh, Hagar um, that made her see that, oh, not without, you know, which we always do, you know, we always limit God and, uh, you know, ourselves, too. Always saying no. I'm. I don't have this. I'm. I have that ancestry and all of these things. But yes. none of them are true. Yes, that ancestry and that beautiful. Your ancestry is the beautiful, the good, and the pure. Mary Baker Eddy. I always go back to that. That's why you cannot claim this um, human, whether it's good or bad, parentage and all, all of that, because. Um, Good or bad, it'll end up being bad. <laughs> it's human, <laughs> so therefore it's not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and isn't that wonderful? In the first edition, she says that the beautiful, good, and pure is our ancestry. It isn't. So isn't, I mean, hey, that's good for me. I don't need anything else than that. <laughs> I'm, I'm good with that. And I mean, that doesn't mean I love my human parents and family, but... We, you've got to elevate it to know where you've come from. No, you haven't ever been a personal creator, <coughs> excuse me, of any anything. So that, he, go ahead. No, he pre- precedes that with, uh, in science, man is the offspring of spirit. So if we get just keep that in our thought, in our hearts, yeah. Yes, thank you. And that kind of leads us into... Um, Linda's forum comment, which is from Science and Health, page 506. Linda. Uh, uh, From Mrs. Eddy, quote, God gathers, spirit God gathers unformed thoughts in their proper channels and unfolds these thoughts, even as he opens the petals of a holy purpose in order that that the purpose may appear, end quote. And um, it just reminded me, I, I worked with uh, my practitioner here at Plainfield with a false sense of responsibility and how we see those around ours, uh, around our lot in our lives. 
and that their purpose is in God's care. And I just love that he unfolds the thoughts and their holy purposes in his hands. But it also reminded me of the Bicknell Young quote I was given by the practitioner that is from 1937 college, quote, a divine idea carries within itself the power to accomplish the divine purpose and the responsibility of its unfoldment belongs to divine principle who cares for each detail of its progressive being, end quote. And just, I was grateful to have this teaching because I didn't have that before I came here, despite being in the organization all, all my life and being class taught, et cetera, et cetera. And it was, it's just beautiful understanding our true heritage. It's uh, quite a sin, actually, that it wasn't taught correctly. Well, and, and some of that is that these wonderful teachings were all hidden and suppressed and not given forth, because that's Bicknell Young. And I have used that so many times. I mean, it's certainly true when you feel over-responsible about anything, whether it's a family member or your business or whatever it is, to remember the responsibility of its unfoldment belongs to the divine principle who cares for each detail of its progressive being. It's a powerful thought. So keep that, as I say, in your arsenal. Remember that to be true. Don't get into a false responsibility of anything. It's God that unfolds in that beautiful statement that gathers unformed thoughts into their proper channels and unfolds these thoughts even as he opens the petals of a holy purpose in order that the purpose may appear. Now that's true about our church. It's unfoldment so that its purpose may appear. We, we've, we've honestly, we've never known what the heck we're doing. I mean, we just, to some degree, right? I mean, we yeah, just... force the rope open. You it just open so gently and so beautifully. And that's what I think of when I... You can't force it open. <laughs> you cannot force it open. We just, you know, do the best we can every day and, and wait for un further unfoldment. What we started the class out with, give us today our daily bread. We don't know what tomorrow brings. We only know what we have today to do. And that's all we need to know. And, and we yes. know that about others around us, our children. Okay. Instead of that apprehensive, you know, it's always apprehensive as if, oh, what's going to happen to them? What are they going to do? That kind of thing that supposedly shows you love them. No. No. Write them to God. Trust yeah. them. Yeah. Yes. And then, and then so much of this beautiful lesson is, is about the angels. You know, it's so beautiful. And the angels... Uh, Martha Wilcox speaks of them and her however right idea, um, you know, that they are truly mental and must be mentally received by us in our individual mentality. Angels, divine ideas, or experiences of good, or exalted thoughts, healing truths, positive right convictions that appear to us as human thought. And... Um, you know, they, they come to everyone, she says, everybody. And to those mentalities in tune with the divine mind, these angel visitants, divine ideas or experiences are innumerable. They are incidents of every hour 
and are the privileged lot of every individual. So claim these angels. They're with you right now, whatever you need to know. I mean, the whole science and health is just full of what, what Mrs. Eddy says about angels. So important we understand these things. And of course, they are in, in the 91st Psalm. And that's what spiritual sense is all about. It's our spiritual sense that hears the angel thoughts from wherever they come. And it's, that's why it's so essential for us to cultivate our spiritual sense instead of doubting it or, you know, shoving it under the rug or, you know, questioning it. It is our connection with God. So we'll end today with um, Parthen's forum contribution. This is from Parthen's, quote, quoting Science and Health, the more destructive matter becomes, the more its nothingness will appear until matter reaches its mortal zenith in illusion and forever disappears. That's page 97. The number seven being the number of completeness, Mrs. Eddy notes in her apocalypse exegesis that matter's destructiveness reaches its zenith in the seven last plagues. And at the very climax of its aggressiveness and presumption, it disappears to be immediately replaced by reality, the descent of the holy city, the new Jerusalem, like an unexpected rainbow putting a splendid decisive end to a seemingly relentless series of storms. At this point, Mrs. Eddy writes, quote, think of this, dear reader, for it will lift the sackcloth from your eyes and you will behold the soft-winged dove descending upon you. The very circumstance which your suffering sense deems wrathful and afflictive, love can make an angel entertained unawares." End quote. And that's page 574. She repeats this sentiment here from poems in miscellaneous writings. Quote, when sunshine beautifies the shower, as smiles through teardrops seen, ask of its June, the long-hushed heart, what hath the record been? And thou wilt find that harmonies in which the soul hath part, ne'er penish, perish young like things of earth in records of the heart. End quote. All of this also reminds me of what some spiritual thinkers have identified as the covenant of the rainbow. Like all covenants, it is a two-way street. In heaven, a rainbow forms when the sun's rays pass through raindrops, disperse the light into the seven colors of the spectrum. On earth, a rainbow forms spiritually whenever you and I can sincerely, from the heart, offer smiles through teardrops, smiles of unconditional non-resistance in love and gratitude, allowing the radiance of Christ to shine through those tears. Quote, Oh, make me glad for every scalding tear, for hope deferred, ingratitude, disdain. Wait and love more for every hate, 
and fear no ill, since God is good and loss is gain. No snare, no fowler, pestilence or pain. No night drops down upon the troubled breath. Heavens after smile, earth's teardrops gain, and mother finds her home and heavenly rest. End quote. Mary Baker Eddy. Mary Baker Eddy. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. 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 Thank you.